1: Good morning. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota by Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. I hope you're enjoying all the snow out there. What a nice, pretty morning.
2: Yes, Denny. Good morning. Happy snowy January. It's great to have this snow cover for all of our gardens.
1: Yeah, it really does help. And maybe for those folks who knew, maybe I should back up a little bit. This is our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question and you want to ask Mary that question you can do it either by phone or by text and if you're a regular listener of the show you know we tend to get pretty busy so don't wait if you have any kind of a indoor outdoor type of uh, lawn and garden question uh, call it in or text it in 6514619226 again for those that maybe are new to gardening new to the show uh, snow is a good thing for a lot of reasons not not only our our you know ski resorts and things like that. It's good for our, our lawns. It's good for our shrubs, right? And why is that?
2: Yes, there are a number of reasons. Of course, snow is moisture, and we have had a lot of dry weather in the, the last uh, year in 2021. So snow adds moisture, which is very, very helpful. And it also provides an insulation or cover for many of our plants. Um, You and I both grow boxwood, and we've talked about boxwood many times, and I am happy to no longer see my boxwood hedge. And now that it's under the snow cover, I can breathe a sigh of relief and think that it will be more protected for the winter. But yes, snow is just a great insulator for a lot of our plants.
1: And I mine aren't uh, covered, but they've got snow, my boxwoods uh, all all around it, and they they're nice and healthy looking. Remember what it was it was two or three seasons ago that we had that crazy weather that destroyed a lot of people's uh, shrubs like boxwoods,
2: right? That's right. If it's if we have our typical normal subzero weather and we don't have any snow cover and we have drying winds and so on, that can kill a lot of plants. So we're plants are in better shape when we've got uh, a good snow cover.
1: 651-461-9226. If you want to get in touch uh, with Mary Meyer with your lawn or garden question. Uh, what, what what should we be doing now? What are you doing now? Are you reading uh, seed catalogs? We mention that from time to time this time of year.
2: Oh yes, it's uh, this now is a fun time to look at the seed catalogs. Uh, many people buy. Seeds online without a catalog but yes thinking and planning for uh, gardens for the summertime is something to do now. It's not too late uh, if you have not protected some of your trees from uh, uh, animals like uh, rabbits that I see jumping around in the snow. Uh, Rabbits are looking for food and so uh, protection around um, trunks of trees, roses, fruit trees etc that's something that you can still uh, get out there and do uh, this time of year Uh, but yes planning for next season I'm thinking about what I'm going to grow in the uh, vegetable garden and This year I'm going to be trying to incorporate quite a few flowers into my vegetable garden for pollinators and for uh, diversity um, as well. So there there are always different new things you can try and we have a lot of information, a special article really just written about uh, purchasing seed online or through catalogs, because in the last couple of years, um, there was actually a shortage of some vegetable seed because so many people uh, started vegetable gardening. So thinking in advance of what kind of uh, vegetables and flowers that you want to plant, uh, if you put your orders in now, you'll be uh, more, uh, more sure of getting the seed to the varieties that you want.
1: Absolutely. And don't forget to check out the University of Minnesota website. It's a great resource, extension.umn.edu. We'll talk more about that as we move through this hour. But again, if you have a lawn or garden question, call it in, text it in to Mary, 651 461 Let's get to the phones, Mary. I think Gary is calling in this morning from St. Louis Park. Gary, good morning. You're on CCO with Mary Meyer.
2: Hi. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Uh, Mary, my mom got a beautiful, I'm not sure if it's pronounced cyclamen or cyclamen plant for her 100th birthday. It's got beautiful green velvety leaves and and pink flowers on the top. But I understand that that plant will eventually go into, into dormancy, and I think it's starting to do it already. My questions are, should I continue to water that, or should I just let it go into dormancy? And number two, how far down should I trim the stems when it drops its flowers and leaves? And I thank you so much for the show. I really enjoy it. Well, congratulations to your uh, mother's 100th birthday. That's fantastic. Um, and a cyclamen, wonderful, cool season plant uh, does like cooler weather conditions, which we can pretty much be assured we have in Minnesota uh, in January. Um, But the plant doesn't really require a dormant period. I would be careful about how much you're watering it and make sure that when you water it, all the water drains out of the bottom. If it's in a foil uh, paper container or a decorative container, take it out of that so it can uh, drain thoroughly when you do water it. Cyclones don't need a lot of water, so I would let it dry out in between waterings and make sure you drain it well. You need a lot of water, so I would let it dry out in between waterings and make sure you drain it well. Try to keep it in good, uh, bright light conditions and as far as trimming off the stems, any leaves or any flowers that have died, I would trim those right off at the base of the plant. So as close to the soil um, as you can for taking them off. But a cyclamen, uh, once it does tend to flower and then it's kind of done after it flowers, to get it to reflower is quite a difficult thing to do. And as long as the foliage is velvety and green, as you talk about, you can enjoy that. But it takes quite a bit to get it to reflower.
1: Well, you said it, Mary, to Gary's mom on uh, the congratulations, happy 100th birthday. How about that?
2: That's Imagine wonderful, what,
1: yeah. What, what Gary's mom has seen over the years. All right, Mary, I'm getting a signal. We need to take a bit of a break here. Pat and Lake Elmo, you're going to be next on the phone, and we've got some text messages as well. Uh, if you have a lawn or garden question, by all means, you can call it in or you can text it in like a lot of folks are doing now. 651 We've moved to four degrees above zero in the Twin Cities. We're heading for a high near 16 today. And uh, tomorrow, it looks like 30 for a daytime high. And for Martin Luther King holiday Monday, it looks like near 26. But again, we'll be getting back to below zero here and there from uh, this coming week. We'll talk about that, too, as we move through this Saturday in CCO. And again, it's four degrees above zero. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping uh, you out uh, today, either by phone or by text. Same number, only one number to remember, and that's 651 461 Mary, we promised that Pat and Lake Elma would be next on the phone. Pat, uh, good morning. You are on uh, CCO Radio with uh, Mary Meyer. Good morning, Pat.
2: Good morning. Uh, Mary mentioned boxwoods and I have uh, those as a low hedge around or a low I don't know plant area around some windows that are close to the ground. Those plants are about 20 years old they're looking kind of rangy. I wonder if just giving what you already said this morning if those are a good if I want to replace those is it good to replace them with boxwoods again or is there something better considering the more uh, arid conditions we've experienced in these last couple of years? Uh, that's a good question, Pat. I like boxwoods. You know, they're one of our very few broad-leafed evergreens, even though their leaf is small, it's not especially broad, but they they retain their leaves all winter long, and they're not um, a conifer, they're a broad leaf, so that's an unusual feature, and I I think they're a good plant in the right location. Now, I have mine on the north side of my house where they get more winter protection, but if yours are about 20 years old, that's that i think is about the life expectancy of a boxwood um 20 or so years is about what we can expect they do tend to uh, with heavy snow cover sometimes the branches uh can break but they have a fair fair drought tolerance so they are um and and you you depending on what height you're looking for they're they're a short plant so they're two feet tall, essentially, without very much pruning. So yeah, I would I would think about uh, replacing them with boxwood again. Um, there's other plants you could pick, like spirea, the short plant that has uh, many forms, does have flowers on it, but it's not evergreen. The taxis or yew, that's a very common evergreen, That plant is very, very tough and hardy, but you'll probably end up pruning it because it's hard to find a yew that really can stay short where you want it uh, low in front of windows.
1: Mary, how about a couple of things uh, for listeners to uh, check out uh, the University of Minnesota website, extension.umn.edu, and then in the growing season, the Arboretum.
2: Yes, one, that's for sure. Um, Extension. the website, has many uh, resources and lists of plants for different uh, conditions. Uh, and the Arboretum, certainly you can see a lot of plants there. Last year I did a lot of work looking at the hedge collection out at the Arboretum, and there are over 70 kinds of hedges that have been there in that hedge collection, it will be fifty—is uh, it fifty or fifty-five years coming up wow. now in <laughs> this year? So you can see how those plants have done uh, for many, many years. And yes, there are boxwoods out there. That's the only broadleafed evergreen that we have. There are some other um, juniper, spruce, yews, um, etc., that are there, but certainly a big resource uh, out at the Arboretum. And any time of year, even right now, you can see uh, how those hedge plants look.
1: Good point. Uh, Texter says this, Mary, can you use dead brown pine needles for ground cover or mulch in Minnesota?
2: Yes, you certainly can. We don't have near the number of pine needles that they do in the southeast. You know, uh, because of the long long needle pines that are native down to the southeast, they actually Sell and at garden centers, you can buy bales of pine needles to use for mulch, but we rarely see that um, here in Minnesota. But yes, if you have a source for that, uh, pine needles make a nice mulch. Uh, they don't really change the pH of the soil. Many people think they do, but it's, uh, there's just not enough of them and they decompose. And uh, while the pH might be slightly acid right on top but they really don't change the pH of your soil. Okay.
1: For just joining us, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out here on our Smart Garden Show. Your Lawn and Garden questions either by phone or by text, 651 461 Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Linda calling in this morning from Golden Valley. Linda, you're on CCO with Mary. Good morning. Oh,
2: good morning, Mary. Um, say We've got a really large Patio in the back. It's round, and going around it, it starts with a bridal wreath spirea, and then there, the rest of them are all. Are supposed to be dwarf lilacs. Now, the spirea. I think I figured out how to keep that trimmed back, but I've read up on what to do with these dwarf lilacs, and I just end up getting confused, and they are basically taking over my patio. I mean, they're not (laughs) getting tall, so they are dwarfs, but they're really getting wide. And so I have to keep moving my patio furniture in. My circle's (laughs) getting much smaller. So I have to trim them back, and I don't know when to do it or how I should do it. Yeah, Linda, I don't know if dwarf lilac is the right Plant for this location. Um, You you prune prune a lilac right after it flowers in the spring. So as the leaves, as the foliage, as, as the flowers are turning brown, then you prune it because right now, you know, they've got their buds on for flowers for the spring because they, they flower so early, they form their buds the previous year. So right after flowers, you can prune it and you can prune it really a lot. Lilacs can take a lot of pruning, even what we call uh, rejuvenation or regenerative. You can prune them down to the ground and healthy old plants, will they'll grow back again. But it this sounds like a lot of work and an annual pruning that you're almost having to do on these lilacs because even though they are called dwarf this is still a plant that can get to be you know six feet so it it might just be the uh the lilac is too large for um for this location but if you if you want it there because it's wonderful to sit on a patio and smell lilacs because they're so fragrant um, the pruning right after they flower um, every year, you can do that.
1: Okay. A listener sent a text, Mary, says, Is it a good or bad idea if I put a base of sand at the bottom of the soil for my houseplants?
2: So this time, uh, houseplants must be containers, putting sand in the bottom. Um, you don't have to do that, No. Um, That can actually create a layer where the uh, such a difference in soils, it's not so easy for roots to grow into totally different conditions like that. And as long as you have a hole in the bottom of the container so water can come out, I would not uh, put a layer of sand in the bottom. Uh, If you're growing something like cactus or... Uh, succulents that really like well-drained conditions I would put sand in the soil mix the potting mix buy a potting mix especially for succulents that has uh, excellent drainage. So you're better off to incorporate the sand into the mix if you want a well-drained mix rather than put it at the bottom of the container. And really there, there's hardly any plant that doesn't prefer a container that has a hole in so the water drains away.
1: Very good. Hang on, Mary, and asking Bernie and Jim on the phone to do the same. We're going to take a break and have a look at that forecast. Just a reminder, coming along next hour on the Home Improvement Show, Jesse Treble will be filling in for Andy Lindis. Jesse is with safebasements.com, so if you have any kind of a basement question or a radon question, Uh, water in your basement, boat uh, walls, things like that. Jesse will be answering those questions next hour here on CCO. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, Dr. Gene Geske, veterinarian, will be answering your pet questions in the 10 o'clock hour. So more information straight ahead, plus the weather. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. ...above zero. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO Radio's Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out, answering those lawn and garden questions either by phone or by text. And it's just that one number to remember, 651 You know, Mary, we mentioned before we get to the phone, and Jim, you're going to be next, uh, what is going on even though it's wintertime at the Arboretum? We, we started talking about that, but there's still plenty to do out there, isn't there?
2: Yes, you can always take a walk at the Arboretum. Uh, The Arboretum has snowshoe rentals now and eight miles of snowshoe trails. And um, you can check the website for the winter conditions as far as the ski trails. There are ski trails also at the Arboretum and now I think with this new snow the conditions uh, will be much improved. There's also a winter market going on today which is inside uh, several vendors, many plant related vendors there uh, and always at the Arboretum now you need a reservation to go but uh, there There are reservations all day today easy to get a reservation for uh, entry to the arboretum. You can easily get those tickets online and then easy to get in uh, plenty of parking there's indoor uh, venues as I said, with a winter market. The conservatory is open there's information about uh, the conservatory plants. Coming up in February is a one-month flower show that will be really fun to see and uh, great great uh, indoor uh, indoor refreshment to, for our eyes to see all of those flowers uh, in February. But, yes, the Arboretum is a great place uh, to visit and open now every day of the year.
1: And to, to get there, I mean, to get in there, you need uh, reservations though, right?
2: Yes, you do need reservations, so that's easy to do online or on your phone. Uh, you can make the reservations for um, you know, any time today. Uh, there are several hundred uh, tickets that we have for every half hour at the Arboretum. So uh, it's very rare that we run out of space, but this does assure that everyone can get in, can get a parking place. There's no backups on Highway 5 because uh, it's ticketed reservations to come into the Arboretum. But easy to get your reservation. Members do not pay, they but they all members do need to get a ticket. And um, yes, a, a great place to take a walk, and the winter market today will be a fun venue.
1: Excellent. All right. Yeah, just head on Highway 5 to 41, and you're almost there. 651 uh, 461 We promised Jim and Motley that uh, Jim would be next. Thank you, Jim, for waiting. You are on CCO with uh, Mary Meyer.
2: Hi, guys. Um, I had a question about apple trees, which is something new to our family. We got some... Uh, gift certificates for trees when my father passed. And we'd like to uh, put some apple trees on the family property for wildlife. Um, And I've been reading it says
0: to get a couple different kinds. So they cross pollinate. Uh, The property is in far Northern Minnesota. So pretty extreme up by War Road. Would you be able to suggest a couple varieties that might be good for
2: up there? Um, yes, Tim. that's a, a great idea to get um, apple trees. You do need more than one kind if you want uh, fruit uh, to set. Uh, there are many varieties that have been developed at the University of Minnesota that uh, are hardy. Uh Crisp has been hardy uh further north. Uh, Harrelson is our old standby. The Harrelson apple is a hundred years old this year. A hundred years ago that Harrelson was um introduced from the breeding program at the University of Minnesota. But I would um I would do pretty much any uh variety that, will, uh, that has been bred here at the University of Minnesota would be um, hardy. And I would say, um, I, 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 I'm a little hesitant because we're getting into zone three and I know all the ones at the University of Minnesota are hardy at zone four, and we do quite a, quite a bit of the trial work up at Grand Rapids um, as well for that. So, Um, You can go to the apples.umn.edu website, and you can see uh, the whole list of the 20-some that have been developed. I think it's 29 now at the University of Minnesota. And um, that, um, yeah, so I would go with Harrelson. Um, Zestar is one that I really like um, as well. That's another fairly new one at the University of Minnesota. And uh, Honeycrisp.
1: Mm delicious love them <laughs> for sure good morning this texture says in fact is john uh, texting in from wasika can i start hollyhocks indoors to plant this spring
2: yes you can uh hollyhocks um are kind of an old fashioned flower and they're they're harder to find now uh not as many people are interested in growing big tall hollyhocks, which are you know four to six feet tall. but yes, I would uh buy the seed and start them uh, indoors and then you can plant them out uh when um, Uh, danger of frost is past mid-May or so. Hollyhocks are uh, perennial and sometimes a biennial, but they seed themselves and they are more perennial than biennial. And yes, you want to put them in a location where they can get full sun and uh, that where you don't have to worry about tilling them and uh, they can just uh, grow in that location. So they're Yes, kind of a fun, old-fashioned flower.
1: Very good. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. uh, Bernie, I think, is calling in from uh, Plymouth this morning. Bernie, thank you. Uh, You're on CCO with Mary.
2: Good morning. So we live on a corner, and I wanted to put in a pine tree that maybe only
1: grows to six, seven foot maximum height. Do you have any recommendations for that?
2: A pine tree for six to seven feet. So any kind of evergreen, I guess I, um, I'm i sure you can find Texas or the U that will be six to seven feet tall. The true pines, uh, dwarf pines, yeah, you can find those. Those are going to be much more expensive and harder to find if you really have to have a pine. But if you're really just interested in an evergreen, um, you can find uh arborvitas that are shorter um mugo pine six to seven feet. oh I think that would probably work, but Mugo is more of a um broad uh pine than it is narrow and upright so uh yeah, you know, I think I would go on the Extension website, and I also, uh, Julie Weisenhorn, has done a huge amount of work on the plant database that's in the Extension website. is linked there when you go to landscaping and you look for the plant uh, elements of design, the, the plant database you can search there, and you can search evergreens that will be six to seven feet tall. There are also a huge number of photos in there, so you can actually get a look at what the um, the, the plant would look like as far as width and height.
1: Okay, very good. Thanks, Bernie. Uh, Brent is calling in this morning, then we'll grab some text messages. Brent is calling in from Roseville. Uh, Brent, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Uh, good morning. I have a uh, very large U that faces west on the side of my house, and it's gotten way too big. I want to trim it back significantly, but I don't know if that's what, how it's going to—I mean, I mean, you start trimming it, then you get into this, the, the branches itself. What would you suggest uh, I do with that uh, or when to trim it?
2: Well, I would do the trimming in the springtime just as uh, the plants are starting to grow. And you're right, uh, Brent, that um, you're going to prune off a lot of that. You'll get back to what are just the stubs. And then it's a question of whether it's going to grow out of it. I have seen ewes, amazingly, I have seen ewes prune back to nothing almost to the ground. And they have come back but it won't always happen. It really depends on the, the health of the you itself, uh, how old the, the plant is. So it's kind of a risk, but it sounds like in your condition that you, you really want to prune this and the plant is too big for where it is. So I would say go for it, prune it back to what you want, and then if, if it's going to grow out of it, it will do it that same summer. And then you can make the decision. Well, it's it's going to look okay. It's going to go back, or you're just going to have to start over with a plant that's going to be shorter.
1: All right, let's uh, take a break, Mary. Mary Meyer from the U of M, answering your lawn and garden questions this morning on our Smart Garden Show. Call us, text us. Six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll grab more text messages when we return. Four degrees above zero, maybe sixteen for a high today. Four six one nine two two six. We'll grab more text messages when we return. Four degrees above zero, maybe sixteen for a high today. Stay with us on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on CCO. Denny Long on this end with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out with your lawn and garden type of questions. Mary, here's one. We have a bunch of text messages. Uh, Here's one. Uh, This texter says, I bought an amaryllis from a big box store. It has been blooming, and the main branch of the plant gave me four beautiful blossoms. A small side shoot grew up, and I have got four more beautiful blossoms, uh, plus two small buds. I've never seen any amaryllis that blooms like this. Have you? Uh,
2: rarely, yeah. There, yeah. there. Uh, the the size of the amaryllis uh, flowers and the number of flowers is directly related to the size of the bulb. So, with it from garden centers and and uh, yeah, this wasn't a garden center, but. From certain locations you could get giant amaryllis bulbs and they will have more flowers but yeah truly one of our most amazing things and so much fun to watch uh, through the winter time uh, that's 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 reaching the uh, highest number I've ever heard of right? yeah
1: congratulations on that um, yeah. This 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 texture, uh, Mary, may be a candidate for the uh, website U of M website. It says I took out all the rocks around the perimeter of my home last fall. Put in new edging. I need help picking out new plants. Where should I start?
2: Yes. Uh, well, all of our garden centers great place to start. Looking uh, through the arboretum and the website. Yes, extension.umn.edu and click on garden. Has a lot of landscaping tips as well as list of plants and a wonderful big uh, plant database so yeah you really want you want to think about uh, flowers for all seasons from early in the spring, uh, when some of our bulbs are blooming to late in the fall when asters and um, um, asters and goldenrods will be blooming. A lot of uh, attention now paid to pollinators and uh, butterflies, bees, and providing flowers uh, throughout the whole summer, as well as for birds and wildlife. But yes, selection of what plants, uh, a great resource uh, in at the extension.umn.edu website. Uh, Denny, I also wanted to yeah. add, um, I looked up some hardy apples for Jim uh in motley oh sure actually yeah he was go- his his orchard's going to be up in war road so two crab apples the centennial crab and the chestnut crab uh not really you know a large apple but he was talking about planting for wildlife those are both very hardy in zone three as well as frostbite. Frostbite is a newer apple from the University of Minnesota but very good cold hardiness so it you do have to be careful because uh, zone three is really is really cold and uh, so getting the correct apples is really important.
1: Well, thank you for doing that, picking up on that little research. Uh, Mary, this uh, listener says, I have a hibiscus tree about four feet tall, gotten flowers still since I bought it back in the fall. However, the leaves are sparse. How can I get it to grow more leaves? That comes from
2: Lisa. Yes, it just really needs bright sunshine. Uh, As good a sunshine as you can give it a south window now, uh, as the days get longer... Uh, probably more uh, more leaves will come out on that, but as much light as possible is just uh, the best thing for that. Hibiscus are pretty tough plants, and um, I have kept them through the winter. And then, of course, putting them outside in the summertime, they'll really do much better uh, when they're outside. Okay, oh,
1: my life would not be complete if we did not get a creeping Charlie question here. <laughs> uh, good morning. Even in it's... January. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, will Creeping Charlie hurt my perennial gardens? What will happen if I quit pulling it? It has very shallow root system, but it's taking over, and my back is not what it used to be. Thank you. Love your show. What do you think?
2: Well, certainly we try to get rid of it, but I would just say try to put some plants in that will compete with Creeping Charlie. There are some other ground covers. Uh, Lamium is kind of a controversial because it is such a competitive ground cover. But Vinca, Pacisandra, Lamium, I would try some other ground covers that will be uh, more competitive with it or some tougher plants that um, will grow low to the ground so that you have something to compete there with a creeping charlie. Most perennials that are taller and grow above creeping charlie will will persist there. But I would just try to um, make sure that you've got perennials that are really tough, phlox, monarda, uh, many of our uh, Perennials that are long-lived, peonies, things like that, are very tough and um, will compete well with creeping Charlie.
1: Last week, Texter says Teresa told us how to tell if a deer or rabbit is snipping off flowers. Uh, could you repeat that, please? Well, I, as I recall, Mary, and you correct me, that uh, she mentioned. I've heard in the past that know rabbits eat at a 45-degree angle. I don't know if that translates to to what's happening to the plants if, if they're snipped off at that particular uh, degree? Do you know?
2: Uh, I'd have to look that up. We'll, we've got to have Teresa write this down. My experience is rabbits and deer just eat eat away at anything as, <laughs> that they can reach. A lot That's of it right. is can they reach it? And now that we have more snow cover, this means they have higher access to the bark than they did before. And it, of course, it depends, you know, if it's bark and they're just gonna eat around a plant, or if it's something they're going to take the whole stem off and eat the stem off, um, the deer and rabbits. Deer tend to take, of course, more browse the whole stem where rabbits will often just eat the bark around a tree. Uh, but It depends on what the plant is, how much snow cover there is, and how hungry that rabbit is.
1: i tell you what, we've just about a minute or two to go, uh, Mary. Maybe let's do this. Let's repeat the University of Minnesota website. And again, uh, to to remind folks to head to the Arboretum, Uh, give us that information on that great website, if you would
2: the Extension website extension.umn.edu and then click on garden. We've got many uh, references and resources there. You can also sign up for the yard and garden news which regularly will come to your um, email with timely information about now it's buying seeds, caring for houseplants, uh, planning your garden uh, for the coming uh, summer. And then, of course, that's the Arboretum. The Arboretum is open um, every day. You need to get reservations, but it's easy to do that online. We have the Winter Market that's going on there today. Fun thing to do inside. The full moon hike is tomorrow night, Sunday uh, evening, so lots going on. And snowshoe trails are open at the Arboretum.
1: Lots to do no matter the season uh, at all. It does not make any difference. Yeah, get there. And, yeah, and check out their website, extension.umn.edu. Mary, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. It's, uh, it's great information. We appreciate appreciate your expertise. Let's, uh, let's yes. talk soon.
2: That's lo- always lots of fun to talk gardening. Thank you, Denny.
1: You bet. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Coming along after uh, CBS News and our local CCO News, Uh, We're going to be inviting uh, Jesse Treble, who is filling in for Andy Lindis next hour. Jesse is with SafeBasements.com. What does that mean? That means you can uh, call in any kind of basement question. If you've got a wet basement, you've got bowed walls, you have radon questions, uh, this is a local company that does fantastic work. Jesse will field those questions uh, next hour in our home improvement show. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, we have invited back veterinarian Dr. Gene Geske. In fact, we're already getting questions for the vet. So if you have a pet at home and you want to ask a veterinarian your question, that'll be in the 10 o'clock hour. So lots more information heading your way this morning on the 15th of January. Ferris guys, four
0: degrees. Stay with us on C-C-T. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and other restrictions may apply analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023 we all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing and once again toyota is leading the way we hear a lot about fully electric vehicles And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead.